0: I'll tell you what, a warm welcome is exactly what I want, okay? It is, well, let's do this. Um, Man, if you're watching online, we just want you to know, especially if you're watching online, you're a spring break and you're out there, you know, in some warm place, we want you to know, man, we can't wait to get you back. The weather's actually 75 and uh, really warm here. Oh, my goodness. I miss it, man. I want the warm. I think Summer is what I love. I love the water. I love the warmth. I love, um, and and it's almost worth it, you know, going through the winter in Illinois because the summers are so good, right? There's not a bunch of humidity and everything. I love summer in Illinois, all three weeks of it. I think it is (laughs) so good. I came from Michigan. Uh, That's where I moved from. And uh, we did lakes out there, man. We loved all the lakes. There were 11,000 lakes in Michigan. Uh, that's more than Minnesota, okay? We just didn't feel the need to brag about it uh, on the license plate and everywhere. Um, but there's 11,000 lakes, and we would love to go to you know a bunch of places and enjoy that. I just love, love, love summer. I love the water. And, um, well, I mean, we're kind of the leftovers here. We're the ones that didn't have... Any spring break plans? Um, so I thought what we do is magically transport you to a lake. Does that sound good? In okay. and, and and, and fact, I'm going to say we're going to transport you to the Sea of Galilee, but the truth is it's a lake. Did you know that? Yeah, technically it's a lake. Lake Superior, by the way, is technically a sea. It's an inland sea, but the Sea of Galilee... In the Bible, even though it's called a sea, it's actually a lake, and that's what you get with thousands of dollars of seminary education, all right? (laughs) Figure that stuff out. But we're going to look at that today. Now, here's what's interesting about the Sea of Galilee. It is, uh, it's about 13 miles long, it's about 7 miles across, it's 700 feet below sea level. Uh, 700 feet down, and it's it's surrounded by mountains. There's the Hermon, the Mount Hermon there, and then all these uh, all these sort of mountains. So it's all kind of down in the valley. Now here's why I say that, because it affects the weather. Patterns there. The warm weather, uh, warm water in uh, the air rising from the Sea of Galilee, and then the cool air coming down from the mountain spins it up, and often you will get incredible squalls, incredible storms, and they'll come on like that. And they're scary. Scary. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people, the Jews, who uh, that's what we're going to tell a story about uh, today, if you haven't heard this story about Jesus calming the storm, that's a story I'm going to tell you today. It's on the Sea of Galilee, and there were Jewish men, his disciples, that were with him. And the reason I say that is because they were not really water people. They had come from the wilderness. They were a nomadic tribe, 12 tribes that wandered the desert, basically. And now here they are. They're not a seafaring people. And so when this storm comes up, I want you to know they're, they're a little freaked out by this storm. And not just because they didn't have a lot of experience with the water. They were people that that believed along with really everybody in the ancient culture that the sea was a very mysterious chaotic even demonic and evil place you say well why is that well because there were no submarines there there was no way to study you know for them it was just this abyss and so a lot of lure a lot of um A lot of mystery, a lot of uh, uh, um, stories came up around the sea. And and people saw it as this sort of demonic, chaotic, evil place. So these guys that were on the boat, they kind of freaked out. Um, The book of Daniel writes about this. Uh, The prophet talks about the four beasts that are going to come. This symbolic language about these beasts that are going to come and sort of, you know, wipe out kingdoms and things like that. And guess where the beasts come from? It comes from the sea. No wonder, these people have been reading these stories for centuries. Um, The um, book of Revelation, another symbolic, a lot of symbolism in that book. When John wrote um, Revelation, one of the things he said was, Then I saw the new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Now, that is not because, you know, God just hates the ocean, or God just hates water. That's not it at all. He's saying when heaven comes, when everything gets restored, whenever there's no sea, he's basically communicating to people there is no more scary place. There is no more mysterious, demonic sort of evil. Like that's just going to be put away with. You see, the, 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 the Jews, they, they hung out around the sea when there was fish to be fished. But that was about it. You wouldn't find a Jewish person vacationing, spring breaking on the beach because the beach was like the border between chaos and disorder, good and evil. And here these guys are out on a boat with Jesus and a storm comes up. Now, I told you all of that about the way they see the sea because I want you to know that for them, this is not just about weather. And I tell you that for them, it's not just about weather because when they are dealing with all of this, it is like it's chaos and it's disorder and it's, it's bigger than just weather. It means more than just weather. And I tell you that because I think it's more, it's about more than that for you and for me as well. In other words, I don't think God put this story in the Bible as just... An example of how Jesus can handle weather. I think that the metaphor that we often assign to this story, the storms of life, you know, we sort of double quote, the storms of life. I think that's absolutely appropriate when you think about how those people saw the storm. And so today, if you're here watching online and you're thinking to yourself... Man, a lot of the songs that we sang this morning about, man, I need you now, God. Uh, you got to show up, God. I would love to think that you're still, that you're healing people today like you did back then. Like, we, we, you're answering prayers like you did back then. If you're here today and you're praying those kind of prayers, it's probably because you're in some sort of storm in your life. And it's, it's about way more than Precipitation. And so take that into this story. I'm in Luke. Uh, We're studying the book of Luke in this series. We're calling the series Read All About It because we're going to teach you a few weeks, a few episodes in the book of Luke. But we're encouraging you to read along with us. Uh, We've got some prayer prompts and things that you can sign up for. And so be looking for that. Um, But we're reading the book of Luke. And I'm in Luke uh, 4, uh, verse 22. It says this. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. Now here's what's interesting. in addition to the scariness of the sea... These people are going from Jerusalem, which is a Jewish territory that they're familiar with. It's their people, their customs, their culture. They're going to the Decapolis, which is a community of about 10 little cities. And that's a Gentile area. That's Greek, that's Roman, that's completely different. And so now it's even moving into things that are unfamiliar. It's even that much more scary is what I'm saying. Verse 23, as they sailed, he fell asleep. That's Jesus. A squall came down on the lake. That could be translated hurricane, by the way. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. The point is, it's a big storm. It is getting in the boat. It's a, it's a small little boat, by the way. Um, they found one of these in 1986 in Capernaum. Uh, one just sort of bubbled up in the mud. This is a boat that's about, um, it, it's about seven feet across. It's about four feet deep. It's about 26 feet long. It's powered by one sail and a couple of oars. There would be about 15-person occupancy on this thing. So it's not a ship. By any means. It's a little boat. And there's this huge squall, this storm that's coming in. And the water's going, going inside the boat. And they're, they're, they're a little nervous here. In fact, they're, they're way more than just a little nervous. It says, A squall came down to the lake so that the boat was being swamped. And they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're, we're going to Drown. Drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples in fear and amazement. They asked one another, who is this guy? (laughs) He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. You know, maybe your storm today is, is not a small one. And maybe you feel like they did that you're kind of being swamped you got news from the doctor you got news from your employer you got news from your 401k manager you got news from whoever but whatever's happening it feels as though man we are in great danger my joy is in great danger my peace is in great danger my future is in great danger my identity might be in great danger I don't know what you bring into this place but I believe that God does And he would speak to you through this story. Let's make some observations. The first one is this, that the storms come even when Jesus is in the boat. (laughs) The storm came even though Jesus was in the boat. Now, when you come and say yes to Jesus, like, Jesus, I I, want to follow you with my life. When there's something in you, I don't know. For me, I thought, man, if I say yes to Jesus, that's it, man. No more cavities right? There's no more flat tires. There's no more kids, you know, people are going to bully my kids. There's no more problems. Like when you come to Jesus, you're following God. It's blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And man, it doesn't take long to figure out that's just not the way it is. The storms come even with Jesus on the boat. Now, here's what I know is that my attitude towards storms is avoid at all costs anybody else like for me i if i could choose comfort and ease and prosperity and fun and like that is that's the path i want to go i don't want to go storm path so i want to avoid at all costs that's my attitude i just the longer i live i don't think that's god's attitude towards all the trials of our world you know what he says in James 1, two. He says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. He goes on to say, because you know that that's going to produce in you perseverance. It's going to make you tough. It's going to give you some grit. And he says, you know what? It's going to produce maturity. It's, it's going to help you grow. And sure enough, I'll just ask you this. See how this works. Because I see this as maybe one of God's finest or... Um, uh, 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 his choice for how he grows people is, is this method. Here's the thing. Think back over the time to a time in your life, the time in your life when you grew the most. Will you do that right now just think back? Might be a year, might be five years, might be ten years. The time when you grew in maturity, the time when you grew in your faith, the time you grew where you would say, man, I, that really shaped me that season of life. And, and can I just ask you Wasn't that season right around when a storm was? Yeah. Turn to your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, this guy's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that I'm good. It's just that I know that that's the way it is. Like, that's what God has been using. And he says, consider it pure joy because it's going to do all these things. But he also says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because there's no if. It's not if you face them. It's when you do. Like, you're still going to get the cavities. You're still going to get—the problem, the, the problem is you're not going to— it's not that you're not going to go through storms. It's just that now Jesus is in the boat. And I love that he kind of says, you know, I, I don't mean to be negative, but I, I think it's good to sort of say it like it's going to happen. Because if it's going to happen, then I can be ready. There's a difference between you, when you go through a storm and you're not ready for it or when you go through a storm and you am—you you, are—am. I'm a professional speaker, ha <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm from Cincinnati. Really? Okay. Man. It's the sophistication of the north and the charm of the south all rolled up into one perfect city. Okay? I'm from Cincinnati. Uh, in 1992, Sperling uh, voted as the best place to live in the United States. 1992. And we've been holding on to that ever since. But you know what we do have in Cincinnati? We don't have much. But you know what we do have? We have Skyline Chili. Thank you, oh my goodness. Skyline Chili is like God's good. You better get used to it because it's what they serve in heaven, okay? So the rest of you, you're like down, in the, I'm telling you, Skyline Chili is so good. Anyway, all right, just get to the point, Dave. Here's the thing. I was in Cincinnati with my family. I'm taking my boys uh, out. I'm going to sort of introduce them. This is like a rite of passage for somebody from Cincinnati. My boys are going to uh, eat Skyline for the first time. We're going with Uncle Dan, my brother. He's younger than me. He's the cool uncle, right? And so he's coming in, and they're doing that kind of bo- boy macho thing. Uh, uncle Dan's going, go ahead, hit me in the stomach. Go ahead, hit me. And my boys are like, as hard as they can, <laughs> like that. And he's just like, "Ah, oh, what is that? A butterfly? Come on. He, you know, and he's just being tough. They go in, they eat skyline chili, onions, beans, chili, pasta, heavy, okay? We come out back into the parking lot. The boys remember the game. <laughs> they turn around to Uncle Dan, who would, <laughs> and just leveled him like this. I could see chili up in his eyeballs, like it was just it was surfacing. You know, I won't finish the story. Other than to tell you this, is it's just better when you're ready for it, right? when you brace for it. The question is, how are you ready for storms as a Christ follower? Well the first thing I tell you is get Jesus in your boat. I mean that's kind of the whole thing. Get Jesus in your boat. If you haven't said yes to Jesus, today's your day. Like today is the day of salvation, okay? Like say yes to Jesus. We'll talk about that a little bit more. We'll give you a chance to do that. But here's the thing that's the number one get ready. Get Jesus in your boat. But once Jesus is in the boat, like how do you grow? How do you how do you get ready? Well there's things called spiritual discipline or spiritual training and sure enough man if i want to get stronger if i want to mature i'm going to go to the gym i'm going to work out i'm going to i'm going to train for it if i want to get good at a sport i'm going to train for it. you want to get good spiritually then you train for it. well how do you do that you look in scripture it's bible memory it's worship it's coming into a place like this and and being surrounded by people that are singing to god and to remind you of how good he is and how great he is and man it's worship these are disciplines in our lives. Is the way that we train. We pray every morning. We pray. We pray for meals. We pray. We always constantly be in prayer. Community. Community to get some people around you. We talk about small groups around here. But to have people that can support you, you can support them. How would I ever get through the storms of life without some people around me to support me? Generosity. Stewardship. I want to get my money in a, in a place where I'm ready, you know, for the storms of life. You understand, a lot of the things that we talk about around here and the things that we keep revisiting, the things that we're talking about this year, the things that we'll launch when we share Rooted with you. We've talked about that a little bit. We're going to launch that in a big way in the fall. A lot of those disciplines, a lot of those rhythms in life are meant to make you strong for the storm. But I said the key is to get Jesus in the boat. The storm still comes, but you got to have Jesus in the boat. Let me tell you why Jesus needs to be in the boat. If you look in this story, it says that he was sleeping. If you look at the same story in Mark four thirty-eight, it says he was asleep on a cushion. <laughs> so he's just sleeping in the boat during the storm. Now, why is Jesus sleeping in the middle of the storm? Well, because he knew that he had it. I got this. It's not a problem. Like, he created the wind and the waves. Like, he's Jesus. He says in, in John, another gospel, 1633, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Um, yeah, the problem is not if you are in the storm. The problem is that the storm is in you. For the disciples, the storm was all up in them. Like, Haha! For Jesus, he's asleep. He so I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. There it is. Like, it's going to happen. But take heart. Be encouraged. I have overcome the world. Jesus is like, I got this. Every storm that you brought in here today, he said, well, you, you, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't. He does. But here's the thing. Here's what I do know. He's got it. You get him in the boat. He's the one you want in the boat. That's the leader. That's the, 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 the boat captain. That's the pilot of the boat. <laughs> think, think if you were on a plane. Think if you are going on a plane and you come upon a big storm. And, and you see like lightning and you see this out there. And then you start to, the turbulence hits. And and, and the plane starts. And the people that like didn't even have their seatbelts on, you don't even have to wait for the sign. You're just like, And this thing's going on. This is what you do not want to hear in that moment. You do not want to hear the pilot come on and go, I have never seen one like this before, folks. (laughs) You might want to just go ahead and call your family. If you pray, pray, because I'm not sure how to handle this. You do not want to hear that. What do you want to hear? You want to hear the pilot the way you... I think they train the pilots to do this. I don't know. They all sound the same. Every pilot sounds the same. They all go... Hey ladies and gentlemen This is your captain speaking We're up here in the cockpit We're uh, seeing a little storm up ahead Now don't you worry We're going to go up a couple thousand feet Shouldn't be a problem I've seen storms like this before It's happened hundreds of times Nothing to worry about folks Just go ahead and put your seatbelts on We're going to have that beverage tray That beverage cart back out there pretty soon Just sit back, relax And And enjoy the flight. Isn't that what they sound like, every one of them? That's what they sound like. But do you know why they sound like that? Because they got this. Like, they're kind of bored up there, honestly. They see a big storm, we're freaking out. Those guys are just like, we're cool, it's good. Because they've done this before. They got this. They have the power and they have the experience to do it. And Jesus is in the middle of that boat, in the middle of that storm, and everybody's freaking out and he's asleep. And I'm telling you that, that he is not asleep on the job. He's just at peace. So when you come in here and you are freaking out and you're just going, I have no clue how this is going to go. You literally have a Jesus who's going, relax. Man, he probably doesn't sound like that, but like, he's got this. All right, point made, point made. So anyway, the disciples, um, they're freaking out. And Jesus, uh, they wake Jesus up. They say, here's what's going on. And it says, the disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So my first point was, the storm's coming even if Jesus is in the boat. Jesus, don't you care if we drown? Here's my second point. Don't say dumb stuff in the storm, Okay. Now, I know that is not the most sophisticated point you have ever heard at Willow Creek Community Church. But here's the thing. How many of us need to hear it? Like, quit saying dumb stuff in the middle of the storm. Like, I tend to verbally process things. So when I get stressed, when I get worried, it comes out of my mouth. (laughs) And I wish it would stop, but I, I can't, you know. I, and, and it'll happen, like, especially as a parent. Oh, my goodness, I have teenage boys. And I'll say dumb stuff. The other night, the two boys are bickering at each other. They're going and going, escalating and escalating. And finally, I'm like, boys, now listen how dumb this is, okay. You're going you're gonna to probably want to go to a different church after this, okay. Because I said, hey, boys, shut your mouth and eat your food. You can't do that you can't shut your mouth and eat your food we, we went to disney world uh, and the, the kids were little <laughs> we were going on the monorail you know the monorail right and my two little kids they wanted to surf on the monorail they didn't want to like sit down they wouldn't hold on or anything they just thought that was the coolest thing these little guys that would not go on thunder mountain right they wouldn't go on thunder mountain but oh on the monorail they're daredevils okay and the people are all around them, and it's, toot- it's totally busy, and they're messing with people. Like, it's just like, settle down. And so mom and dad are like, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. And then finally, what do I, what is I, what do, I do with my mouth? I, I say, here, here, okay, that's it. You sit down right now. If you get up one more time, we're going to go back to the hotel, we're going to pack our bags, and we're going to fly home. Now, I want you to think about the implications of that, Right? I look over at Rachel and she is just like you're an idiot okay you are I mean she didn't say it out loud but the, the the face was like you are such a because I just don't want to say I say dumb stuff here's do you ever say dumb stuff to God Do you ever say things like God are, are you even there God don't you care how could you let this happen I don't even know if you're real You ever get really frustrated with God? Can I give you some good news? As much as I don't want to say those things, because because I have had to again and again and again go back and say, well, you were faithful. You brought us through it. (laughs) But you know what? Here's the good news. God can handle your honest emotion. Can I say that? And if you don't feel comfortable with that, go read the Psalms. The Psalms are full of people who are in the middle of storms and who are just man you know, almost shaking their fist at God. They're asking questions, they're saying stuff that is just so, it's just guttural. What they're pouring out, crying out to God. But here's what I love about the Psalms: they pour it all out, and just about every psalm, you get to the end of this sort of verbal eruption, and at the end, they go, But God is faithful. They always turn it around. They was like, you know, this is horrible. The enemies are coming in. I don't know how we're going to get through this. But God has always been faithful. And I think that's a good pattern for us. Like, pour out and keep your faith. And kind of keep that respect of who God is. Is here's the thing, that's why I don't want to say dumb stuff anymore. Is because here's the, I'm 48 years old, he has never let me down not one time. Not one time have we gone, been in a storm, and we've gone through the storm, and I've said whatever, cried out in whatever way. There's not one time that I haven't had to go back and go, I'm sorry, Lord, I should know by now how faithful you are and how good you are to me. And I just don't want to do that anymore, I just don't want to say dumb stuff anymore. I want to be. You know, David and Goliath, it said David ran to meet Goliath. Like, I want to have faith like that. All right, don't, don't, say, don't say dumb stuff. <laughs> Luke 8, 24, he rebuked the waves then, Jesus. Mark's account adds the actual words Jesus spoke in verse 39. He got up, rebuked the wind of the waves. He said, quiet, be still. It's interesting that um, another place in Mark, I think it's Mark 1, Jesus is casting out a demon. He uses the same exact Greek words, the only place where they occur, is Jesus saying to a demon, "Quiet! Be still come out of him. What's interesting about that, if you study grammar at all, that is uh, the second person singular. If you're an English teacher, you know exactly what that is. If you're a pastor, you had to look it up, and I did. Basically what that means is Jesus is talking to a person. So I just share that with you because it's not, you know, it's not so evident in the English. But, but here's what's interesting about that is when Jesus is looking at that storm and he says, quiet, peace, be still. He's, he's saying that to a, like a person. He's either personified the, the, the weather or he's, he, there's demonic forces behind it. I don't know. But I share that with you because the, the way that hits me is that I got to be honest, sometimes the storms in my life feel like someone's out to get me <laughs> sometimes it feels like I'm getting more than my fair share sometimes it feels like it doesn't make sense sometimes it feels like I'm being targeted by somebody and and I would think that that points to the fact that yeah sometimes you are that the thief comes forth to ke- to, to, to steal and to kill and destroy like we have an enemy and and I'm not being weird I'm just saying if I believe in God I also believe in this enemy of God So Jesus spoke. He said, be quiet. And it says that in Luke 8, 24, the storm subsided and all was calm. The Greek word there, hakuna matata. (laughs) Worry free. Sorry. Thank you. Um, Let's get to the third point and we'll be done. The third one is this. Jesus turns storms into stories. Verse 25, where's your faith? (laughs) He asked the guys, he asked his disciples, where's your faith? In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. And from that point forward, what I see is that these guys had an incredible story that they could share with people. And they probably would never have steered a boat into a storm. And yet I bet every time they sat down at a party and people were sharing stories, Somebody was like, well, you should have seen what happened in my life. These guys were like, guess what happened with us? You were in a storm, and Jesus calmed it, period. But these guys have stories. And I would just share that, too, with you. Not only do you grow through the storms, but you get great stories. And I want great stories. I want my life to be a great story. Um, when I was a pastor in Michigan, we were, we were a portable church. We'd started the church. We were uh, meeting in uh, high school. We set up and tear down and we're meeting in a high school and then we're trying to buy our first building that we could renovate and move into. And we had the thing under contract and we'd raised money within our church and we were so encouraged, but w- we were a week away from closing and we needed $60,000. And I'm telling you, our church was just a few hundred people. It, it might as well have been $6 billion, okay? Uh, we needed $60,000, and there was just no way. I didn't know what to do. So um, I just gathered our staff together, and I said, guys, I, I really have no clue. Here's a whiteboard. Let's brainstorm. You ever one of those brainstorm sessions, right? And so people just started throwing stuff up there. Okay, we could, uh, we could send a letter out to all the people of our church again. <laughs> um, We could um, uh, we could go to other churches and say, "Hey, we're a church plant. Why don't you support us?" We could could do it. Okay, all right. So we're just like writing stuff on the board. You know, in brainstorming, where there's the rule that there's no bad ideas. Somebody said we could do a bake sale, and I was like, "That's a bad idea. That is uh, that's a dumb idea. We're not doing that. (laughs) A bake sale for sale. That's a lot of brownies. Okay, sixty thousand dollars. Anyway, we get to the end of this thing." And we had no viable solutions. I'm driving home that night, and um, I was crying. And I was just going, probably saying a bunch of dumb stuff to God. Why'd you lead me into this? Where, how, I thought you were faithful. Why aren't you showing up? All this kind of stuff. And the name of our church was based on the book, uh, on the verse Acts 2.42 in the Bible. And so our name of our church was 242 Community Church. And I'm driving home. And I hear an ad come on the, the, the radio for the lottery because it had hit $242 million. And I thought, this is a sign from the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do? I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So I didn't buy a ticket. But I was, it, that's true, actually, two forty-two. Anyway, sometimes I think God just winks at you and and then laughs and goes, ha -ha." Anyway, (laughs) but I'm driving home, and I didn't do that. Um, But the next morning I got up. I still didn't know what to do. And so um, because I am a spiritual giant, I called our staff and I said, well, at this point, the only thing left to do is pray. (laughs) Probably should have done that first because we all got together. And we prayed for an hour, prayed for an hour, said, God, we need $60,000, we have no clue how to get it, what do you want us to do? This is your thing, it's your will, it's your bill. And so we just prayed. And at the end, we said amen, and nothing happened for 10 minutes. And then we got a text from somebody that said, we're selling our business and we want to know if the church had any strategic needs that we could meet because we want to give some of the proceeds to the church. And the interesting thing about it is that the people that signed it, we were going, i would never heard of these people. And, you know, we go around, you've you heard of these people? Do you know who they are? Like, they've never been in a small group, never been on a team, never given a dime to the church. No one knew who they were. We took the meeting. <laughs> said, come on. We shared with them what was going on. And I would love to tell you that they gave $60,000, but they didn't. They gave $100,000. hundred that, yeah. I was like, Holy Spirit of God. Like, that is an amazing thing. And God is good. And that's just one of those stories that I get to hold on to. And I can share it with you, and it can encourage you, but I'm telling you, it just doesn't encourage you the same unless you went through the storm. And so I don't wish a storm upon any of you, but if you're in one right now, I'd I'd encourage you to get Jesus in your boat. (laughs) Try not to say too many dumb things. And hold on to the hope that Jesus can turn your storm into a story. Will you pray with me? Um, I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes, bow your heads. And I think I can tell my story, but I don't think God has been moving in this place and in lives. And I'm just going to ask you to do something kind of unusual today, if that's okay. I'm going to ask you, if you are someone who God has, you were in the middle of a storm because you didn't know whether to go left or to go right, to buy it or not, to invest or not, to move or not. You, you needed direction, and God showed up to give you guidance and wisdom in a way that just, it, it's not a coincidence, like you just knew it was God. If that's your story, if you have a story like that, would you be brave enough? I, I, Isaac? closed, heads are bowed, would you be brave enough to just stand up right now if God has given you guidance in your life? Thank you. And and you know what? If you're somebody who you're sitting there and you have seen God bring peace to a relationship like people were fighting uh, it's, a, it's a husband and wife, it's a kid and their parent it's uh, siblings you know, what? business partners. If you've seen God move in the hearts of people to go from enemy to friend would you stand up as a way to just give testimony to that story if you 've known someone we 'll assume that if you stand it 's not you, but maybe it is you but, but if you 've known someone in your life who struggled with addiction, uh, some some destructive thought, some destructive pattern, some destructive addiction that they, they just could not break free from, and yet God gave them the power, then you saw some life change in their life, and you just, there's no other way to explain it, that they came to God, and Jesus got in the boat, and just turned that story into, turn that storm into a story. Would you stand up as well? And if you're somebody that God has come through and provided for you, you know, mine was a story of provision, and whether it's a Provision of money, or whether it's a provision of opportunity, maybe God provided a spouse for you. God provided you in some way. And it's not just a coincidence, it's not just the the way things naturally went. You just look at it and you go, That I was in a storm and God moved. Would you stand up? And and we could go on and on. I'll just do one more. If you are somebody who has seen God. Move in the health of someone. You've seen them have uh, incredible weight loss or you've seen them um, just uh, see there was cancer and now there's not. You've seen uh, a, a surgery, just there's no other way to explain it. Like God has done something in their health. God healed them. Would you stand? And now, what I love is that not everybody in the room is standing. And I love that because that means that there are people that are coming here today, and they're just checking things out, or they've come and they've said, "You know what? I, honestly, I've been following God for a while, and I just I'm just being honest. And I want this to be a place where you can be completely yourself and authentic. And so, in just a second, we're going to open our eyes, and when we do, there'll be some people that'll just be starting to stand. They're going to be joining us, but that's not a problem. I'm, grateful for you. What I want you to see and then I want everybody else to see is just the number of people who God had taken a storm and turned it into a story. I'm going to count to three. You just open your eyes. One, two, three. And if that doesn't make you say, God, thank you so much. Everybody else stand. The rest of you, go ahead and join us. The rest of you, go ahead and join. Hey, I want to encourage you If you've not invited Jesus into your boat, man, come uh, do that just now. We're going to be over here. We've got uh, Larissa is going to get baptized today. We're excited about that. If you want to get baptized, you can come on up and we'll baptize you today. We're excited about that. Maybe for you, your next step is just to come back next week. Maybe for you, it's to bring a friend. Maybe for you to get into a small group. Maybe for you to love your neighbor. Whatever your next step is, we encourage you to take it as we sing this next song.